Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Good evening and welcome to Amplify, a telephone talk show that looks at life from a religious perspective. I'm Father Ron Lingwin, hoping that you have felt the warmth of God's love in your life this day, but especially the joy you feel when you share God's love with others. And we're asked to do that in very special ways these days. We face so many challenges, limitations forced on us that prompt us to look to how precious life is and how we must care for it in some circumstances, not only from physical, psychological perspectives, but also from a spiritual one also. Spiritual alone will not solve the problems we have, but they can help in the solution we are looking for. There wasn't much notice given to the fact that President Trump was proclaiming today a national day of prayer for all Americans affected by the uh, coronavirus. And um, he did he did write and send this out that in our times of greatest needs, Americans have always turned to prayer to help guide us through trials and periods of uncertainty. As we continue to face the unique challenges posed by the coronavirus pandemic, millions of Americans are unable to gather in their churches, temples, synagogues, mosques, and other houses of worship. But in this time, we must not cease asking God for added wisdom, comfort, and strength. We must especially pray for those who have suffered harm or who have lost loved ones. I ask you to join me in a day of prayer for all people who have been affected by the coronavirus pandemic and to pray for God's healing hand to be placed on the people of our nation. As your president, I ask you to pray for the health and well-being of your fellow Americans and to remember that no problem is too big for God to handle. We should all take to heart the holy words found in 1 Peter Chapter 5, verse 7, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Let us pray that all those affected by the virus will feel the presence of the Lord's protection and love during this time. With God's help, we will overcome this threat. On Friday, I declared a national emergency and took other bold actions to help deploy the full power of the federal government 
to assist with efforts to combat the coronavirus pandemic. I now encourage all Americans to pray for those on the front lines of the response, especially our nation's outstanding medical professionals and public health officials who are working tirelessly to protect all of us from the coronavirus and treat patients who are infected. All of our courageous first responders, National Guard, and dedicated individuals who are working to ensure the health and safety of our communities and our federal, state, and local leaders. We are confident that he will provide them with the wisdom they need to make difficult decisions and to take decisive actions to protect Americans all across the country. As we come to our Father in prayer, we remember the words found in Psalm 91. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. As we unite in prayer, we are reminded that there is no burden too heavy for God to lift or for this country to bear with his help. Luke 1.37 promises that for God nothing is impossible. And those words are just as true today as they have ever been. As one nation under God, we are greater than the hardships we face. And through prayer and acts of compassion and love, we will rise to this challenge and emerge stronger and more united than ever before. May God bless each of you, and may God bless the United States of America. Today, then, having been a day of prayer, there will be other days of prayer. Every day should really be a day of prayer in some way, and in God's providence, that's what we're going to start talking about pretty soon. Our topic is prayer, a guide for receiving the Father's love. Our own diocese, for example, the diocese, Catholic Diocese of Pittsburgh, Bishop has called for a day of prayer and fasting on March 25th. There will be other days that will be called. We must all join together in prayer as we face many difficulties. For example, it was just announced this evening that there will be no masses celebrated in the Catholic Diocese of Pittsburgh weekday or Sunday at this time. We hope that that will pass quickly. We'll touch more upon these, I'm sure, as we begin our program, but I'd like to do that as we do each week for over three decades. I have begun this program with a story of faith and imagination. Uh, we have over a thousand such stories. A number of them are about prayer. This story seemed to me perhaps one of the most appropriate for this time of the year. It's titled, Mary Watches Her Son at Prayer. And our own particular belief, again, we're an ecumenical approach here, but um, Pope Francis himself uh, roamed through this, or walked in the streets of Rome and visited a couple places, Marian shrines, to pray that the world may together be able to overcome uh, this great disease. But a story of faith and imagination. It had been a long day, and Jesus sat and knelt in prayer, lost in his thoughts. Mary looked at her son with tear-filled eyes. He's growing old before his time, she said. Mary Magdalene nodded in agreement and said, But mother, his burden is great. Do you not understand? Yes, 
Mary said, I do. And she locked this picture of her son deep in prayer into her mind. Whom does he speak to, Mary wondered aloud. To his father, Mary Magdalene answered. Mary nodded, turned quickly, and began to walk away. Mother, don't you want to stay with him? Mary Magdalene asked. No, Mary said. I do not want to break the gift he is giving. Later at the foot of the cross, Mary held the body of her son. She cried out in her heart, Father, where are you now? I remember seeing him deep in prayer, giving his love to you, but now he lies lifeless in my arms. Where are you now when he needs you? Her tears fell on his tired-looking, bloody, and dirty face and washed it clean where they hit. She bent down, kissed his cheek, and said, My son, why did you have to die like this? Both her heart and mind were heavy and ached. It was as if she had been nailed to the cross with her son. John said, Mother, let me hold him. You have held him long enough. We must put him to rest. To rest? Mary asked. This scene shall stay forever in my heart. Then Mary Magdalene said, Mother, remember when you saw him in prayer and left because you didn't want to disturb him? Yes, Mary said. Mother, we must leave him again and let him be with the Father. Mary looked up at her, her face red and tear-stained and said, I gave him life for this. Mary Magdalene answered, Mother, how many times you have told me there are many things that are not for us to understand fully. Mary looked down at her son again and touched the crown of thorns. John said, Mother, remember what he told us when we ate with him the last time? They would come again? Mary closed her eyes and remembered how he broke the bread and dipped it in the wine. He is not mine, she said. He never was. He is a gift to all mankind. But they spit on him and nailed him to a cross, and all he wanted to do was give them love. Completely drained, Mary collapsed upon the lifeless body of her son. We died with Christ so that we can now live with him. Our guest this evening writes with his co-author in the introduction to their latest book titled Personal Prayer, A Guide for Receiving the Father's Love. And remember the context for this is the crisis we're facing and this being a day of prayer. We pray as human beings. The statement appears obvious, but it points to what can be a stumbling block for us when we try to pray. It seems that part of being human is to be unable to reach a transcendent, infinite God. Thus, because prayer is communicating with God, we think we must somehow rise above being human in order to pray and reach God. We feel that our humanity is inadequate to get God's attention. In fact, we are often disturbed by our humanity. We use it as an excuse when we say, I'm only human. 
We feel weighed down by it. We are embarrassed by who we are. Much of the time we are disturbed by distractions, temptations, tiredness, sadness, irritation, and other foul moods. These seem to get in the way of prayer, and we get discouraged. Fortunately, these are not actually obstacles to our prayer. They are simply a part of our humanity. We must learn to incorporate them into our prayer. The actual obstacle to our prayer is when we try to be angels by rejecting these aspects of our humanity as if there were something wrong with us. Rather than his being displeased with these aspects of our frail humanity, God intends them as part and parcel of our relationship with him and as the very way by which this relationship deepens in prayer. I guess this evening is Father Boniface Hicks. He is a Benedictine monk of St. Vincent Archabbey in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. He has provided spiritual direction for many men and women, including married couples, seminarians, consecrating religious and uh, priests, even while completing his Ph.D. in computer science at Penn State University is the programming manager and an on-air contributor for We Are One Body Catholic Radio and has recorded thousands of radio programs on theology and the spiritual life. He has extensive experience as a retreat master for laity, consecrated religious and priests. He is the director for spiritual formation for St. Vincent Seminary and director of the Institute for Ministry Formation and has offered numerous courses on the spiritual life, not with us this evening is his co-author, Father Thomas Acklin, who's been on this program in the past. He's a Benedictine monk at St. Vincent's and um, has an STD in theology and a PhD in religious studies, uh, where he specialized in psychology of religion. He's a psychoanalyst as well as a spiritual director. Father Boniface Hicks, welcome to Amplify. Thanks, Monsignor Ron. It's great to be with you. Um Tell us a little bit about prayer within the context of what we're experiencing in the world today. Well, I think the passage that you read is a very appropriate one, starting with our humanity. Sometimes, uh, as we said, it's tempting to think that we need to become something else or pray in some special way or in the face of a pandemic, we think, oh, only the prayers of really holy people matter, and I need to delegate to somebody else who is an expert praying against such significant obstacles. But really, we pray from our humanity. We pray from our littleness. We, we pray from the limitations that every one of us has, and all of that is pleasing to God. And a great place to start in prayer is precisely the kinds of anxieties, confusions, frustrations, helplessness, powerlessness. Uh, the things that we're feeling right now are exactly the kinds of things that we can bring to prayer. And one of the things we try to do in our book is really encourage people to believe what our Christian faith teaches, that God loves us where we are. He loves us in our anxieties and confusion and frustrations and we don't need to get over them in order to come to Him. We just need to bring those things directly to Him. And He has a way of consoling us, reassuring us, sometimes even giving us some, some wisdom, some direction, some insight, some inspiration. But 
start with where we are and just open right. that up to the Lord, and He loves us there, and that's how the relationship progresses. If you've been praying for a long time, hopefully we can take another step. If we haven't been praying very much, sometimes these kinds of crises move us, bring us to our knees. We realize, in fact, our our limitations in the face of the challenges that are in the world, and even more so, we're moved to seek help from one who is bigger than all of it. If this is a starting point from your, for your prayer, start with where you are. Be honest. Speak from your heart. That's exactly what God wants to hear, and he's, he's there waiting for us. Yes. Um, there is no love without vulnerability, though, right? Uh, we... Uh some ways we pray as human beings, uh, you write as sinners in some ways like angels and even even like animals. And um, even though our humanity seems to be a primary stumbling block to prayer, it's what makes prayer possible and even makes prayer an amazing gift, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. It's, a, it, it's one of the things that's shocking in Christianity is that Rather than God requiring us to overcome our humanity, to transcend ourselves, and to somehow reach up to the heights of where He sits at a distance from us, we discover that God all, all along was coming down to us, and we experience that most fully in Jesus Christ, the incarnate God. He takes on our humanity. He lives within our limitations. And he makes it possible for us to have a relationship, a conversation, an interaction, an encounter in prayer, which is a human encounter, because God has become one of us. He has become human. And so what, what is rich about our human encounters? Well, when we look into someone's eyes and we see someone looking back into our eyes, when we see the contours of gentleness, of compassion, of tenderness, of love, of acceptance, when we see a face that is not threatening but totally welcoming, those are the sweet experiences of human interactions that make us feel an intimacy, that we're sharing the inside of our hearts with someone else and they're receiving us and sharing the inside of their hearts with us. And that's the kind of relationship we can have with God because He's become one of us. So our humanity is not a stumbling block, but it's the same thing that makes our human relationships rich. It's what married couples discover after many years together is all of the quirks and limitations, the foibles and problems, the distractions. It's so sweet to hear married couples of many years of marriage and lots of love talk about each other and be so understanding about the limitations of their spouses and the struggles and fears, anxieties, the little quirks of, of their spouses. And we develop the same kind of thing as we enter into relationship with the Lord. Our humanity becomes part of what the Lord delights in, in us. He cherishes all of those uh, limitations and quirks and, and anxieties and the fact that we ask Him again and again for the same things and come back to Him with the same problems. And He's not irritated and frustrated by all of that, but He receives all mm -hmm. of it with a great amount of love. So. We don't need to invent something else. We have all of the tools already in our human experience to teach us about God and to help us enter more deeply into prayer. And so we really can start from where we are, where our hearts are in this moment. We can lift them up to the Lord and know that He receives them with great love and responds in ways that we can come to understand and receive from Him. Right. So it's necessary 
for us to come before God as we are. We're going to take this break. We'll be back. Welcome back to uh, Amplify, where our guest this evening is Father Boniface Hicks. His co-author is Father Thomas Acklin, both Benedictine monks and priests. The title of the book is Personal Prayer, a Guide for Receiving the Father's Love. Um, what a time to have scheduled this, this program in the midst of what we are celebrating throughout uh, the world. Um, they prefer to describe prayer in a, in a way that is more familiar to our human experience by using the language of personal relationships. And so the, their focus in this book is on the contemplative uh, dimension of prayer, understood as vulnerable, attentive, loving presence between God and man. And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more uh, later in the program. Um, but uh, they believe that God's love for us and our response of love for him in return is the beginning and end of Christian life and that the goal of Christian prayer is the perfection of love. Amplify on that point for us, Father Boniface. The goal of Christian prayer is the perfection of love. Now, again, one of the great things about the Christian revelation is specifically this truth that is not expressed in any other religion, that God is love. And so holiness, which is becoming like God, set apart for God, is therefore going to be love. Holiness is love, understood in the Christian revelation and Christian dispensation. And so how do we draw apart, how do we draw close to God? Well, through our relationship with Him, and we call that relationship with Him prayer. Prayer is our relationship with God. And so the more that we grow in prayer, the more intimately close we become with God, the more we are filled with Him, the more that we become love. It's just uh, sort of drawing all of those points together. Again, just to make the relational analogy, we see in uh, married couples are a good example because there is that extended, intimate, one-on-one -on -one relationship living together. But it could be true in other uh, close friendships and brotherhood and in monastic life. We have a number of people, a number of men living together and in close quarters trying to follow uh, one rule of life. But in, in intimate friendships, let's focus on a marriage for a moment we see how husband and wife really become more like each other. As they open their hearts to share themselves with each other, they become more like each other. And as that intimate relationship grows, there's a real unity, a real oneness that takes place. When we do that with God in prayer, when we really open our hearts to receive from Him, and we do that by taking in the Word of God, which is His truth, His, His Word, His self-revelation given to us, when we take in the body of Christ in the Eucharist, when we spend time with Him, opening our hearts and just listening attentively for the Word He wants to speak personally to us, when we share our hearts with Him and share our anxieties, are vulnerable with Him, we share our dreams and hopes and really let Him see what's happening inside of us, then just like that intimate married couple that over years become like each other, so also in prayer we become like God. Becoming like God mm. is becoming love, because God is love. And so the perfection of Christian prayer is love. We become more like Him, and that love is for Him, of course, but it's 
it spills out. And this is the example we see, the witness we see in the lives of the saints. It spills out everywhere that that love is expressed for our families, for our friends, for the poor, for the lonely, for the marginalized. That love is expressed for little ones, for our students, for our for the elderly, for all of those variety of people that God brings into our lives. The the love that comes through our prayer spills out in all of these other directions as well. Yes, um, you write, this journey is the beginning of eternal life, but is only completed when we stand before God and behold Him face to face. That is the perfection of the life of prayer, and that is the conclusion of our book. And so you write about how God's love is personal and individual, that God does not love two people in the same way. God does not love two people in the same way. And as Pope John Paul II said in the quote that you bring to us, each one of us is, quote, set into a unique, exclusive, and unrepeatable relationship with God himself. We are eternally known and loved by God, and prayer becomes a matter of turning to God over and over again, doesn't it? Yeah, and, and, and that's so reassuring because my experience in prayer, my, my prayer life is going to be a little different than your prayer life, uh, Monsignor, and it's going to be a little different than the prayer lives of our listeners because God's relationship with me is unique, exclusive, and unrepeatable. And so there are going to be similarities, of course, because it's the same God. He's not going to relate to me in a completely different way that would be contradictory to the way he relates with all of us as he's revealed in his word and through our Catholic teaching and through the, uh, through the sacraments, through the liturgy. But there's something that's going to be radically personal about the way that he relates with me. And so while someone can mentor me, and we hope to do that through our, our book, obviously, and you and I, of course, Monsignor, do that a great deal in our priestly ministry as we guide people in the confessional and help people in spiritual direction and preach to people in the Mass. And There can be lots of guidance, but ultimately only I can fully develop my life of prayer, my relationship with God. There's something uniquely personal, radically personal about that. And as that unfolds, uh, there's, there's something that's so comforting about that as well, as I know I can bring my problems, I can bring my, my heart, I can bring my dreams, I can really bring the unique dimension of my own personality before the Lord, and He accepts that, loves that, cherishes that. And the way that He speaks to me is also going to be a little bit unique. Each of us has our own uh, kind of mode of hearing Him and our own special places that we like to receive Him. Uh, it, was, it was a joy writing this book with Father Tom Acklin. It's our second book together. The first book was on spiritual direction, and our, our experience of spiritual direction, he really formed me, taught me how to give spiritual direction, but also gave me spiritual direction. And there was a real unity. We, we have a very uh, harmonious approach. Our lives of prayer are, of course, very similar in many ways, but he's a different person than I am as well. And so there was a collaboration. We were able to see the uniqueness that comes out. I'm very imaginative, and that's very important to me. He is a little bit more of a melancholic personality. And so we really came to understand in, in writing the book together some of the differences in our own lives of prayer 
which uh, just were, were deeply enriching for each one of us. And then that just amplifies out to every human being. There's a, a uniqueness that every person has in the way that we approach the Lord. And so we have to discover that for our own, and that grows naturally, like any relationship, over time. If we understand, then, that our humanity is a starting point for understanding prayer, then we'll, we'll come to the incredible understanding that we can really talk to God. And God doesn't will not become an abstraction to us, but we can really talk to God. You talked about imagination in your life. Tell us a little bit, then, about the role of imagination in prayer. Yeah, the, the more that we can make that concrete, our, our relationship with God concrete, is, it, it's really important to do that. The, the more we can do that, the better. And one of the ways that we make it concrete is, is through imagination, because we know that God is real, but how, how do we see Him? Where is He? Well, our imagination is a way that we are able to see, to visualize an unseen, an invisible reality. So again, God is real, but uh, we are embodied, and we have senses, and we need to relate with people. So we can use our imagination as a starting point. I know in my own life, there was a a time that I was concerned, well, what if I imagine the wrong thing? You know, I know I'm using my imagination to try and picture God. I'm sort of picturing Jesus sitting across from me, or even when I'm in Eucharistic adoration, I can see the the sacred host there, and I know that's God, but, you know, it looks like a piece of bread to my eyes. And so how do I imagine Jesus sitting there? What's his expression? And I thought, well, what if I imagine the wrong thing? And what I realized is, of course, I can't imagine him being more loving than he actually is. I can't imagine him being more good than he actually is. I can't imagine him being more virtuous and so patient and understanding, forgiving and merciful than he actually is. And so I realized, in fact, the only thing my imagination can do is fall short of the reality. I'm not overdoing it when I imagine that he is delighted to see me, that his heart is overflowing with mercy, with generosity, with kindness, that the most loving face I've ever seen in my life falls far short of the reality of God's face. And so that's where our imagination can serve us, as we are always starting with uh, the data of our own experience in some way or another, but we're forming that together to imagine the most loving face, the most beautiful countenance, the most kind approach to us. Uh, We can take these superlatives and not have any concern that we're overdoing it. He's more than that. And so at least we can start with that. It points us in the right direction. And that's a lot of what Christian art does for us. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's icons or paintings or, or statues, they help us, they give us a starting point of, of God's beauty, patience, mercy, love. And then, you know, the, the Holy Spirit can take us beyond that into the reality, but it, but it sets us off in a direction. And so we are united to use our imagination, you point out, to visualize Him, to speak to Him, and draw close to him, that it's the Lord who leads the way every time that we pray. And uh, because of the infinite depths of God, prayer can go deeper beyond what is possible in any other relationship. 
Uh, that might be hard for us to understand at first or think that somehow that's wrong, but it isn't at, at all, is it, that because of the infinite depths of God, prayer can go deeper beyond and what is possible in any other relationship. And and when I read this part, uh, I know this, but you put it in words that I don't think I've heard before in the same way. And so it was like kind of a surprise to me in some way when you when you write that God loves us infinitely because that's the only way God loves, isn't it? That's right. He is he is without boundary and he doesn't love in half measures. He doesn't love just a, a little bit here. He doesn't uh, test out love for us. We're the ones who have to grow in trust. And so when we enter into relationships, we tend to love a little. And when we see that our love is received and maybe reciprocated, then we love a little bit more. And we, we tend to start to expand our hearts more and more towards someone uh, we become more generally loving as we grow in virtue, as we grow closer to God. Uh, but we're always in this dimension of of trying to trust. And, and the amazing thing is that God really trusts us, even though we we crucify Him. You know, we 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 don't respond. We reject Him. We ignore Him. And yet He never closes His heart to us. He never protects Himself and wards wards us off. He He continually comes to us with infinite love. He continually comes to us with all of himself. It, it's the amazing thing, you know, we, you and I have celebrated the Eucharist so many times, and we hold the host in our hand, and it's not just a fraction of God. It's not like he gives a fingernail or a toe or something. It really is his whole body, blood, soul, and divinity. It is all of Jesus Christ, who is all of God. He doesn't give anything less than everything, and it's always infinite. And it's just so incomprehensible that God would give so incredibly generously. We're, we're always parceling out and measuring out so carefully. But what Jesus says to us, the measure with which you measure out will be measured out to you. God will, in fact, is giving us everything, but how much we are open to receiving is going to depend also on the amount that we're willing to, to give. So we keep growing in generosity, and as we receive more love, we receive more love as we as we grow in generosity. What I like about the book is that it brings uh, so much more understanding while at the same time a source of awe uh, as we face the incomprehensible, really. Uh, you bring some understanding to that and through the human condition, through that relationship we have with God. And that intimate union with God is really with the persons, all three persons of the Trinity, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. It's everything that God does in creation is really all three persons because he is this this infinite relationship of love. And 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 what you said Monsignor about the uh holding on to the infinite mystery, you know, we, we it's not a matter of reducing him just to being uh just being human or just being a, a kind of created reality. We we have access to him in a way that's understandable, but it all also opens up into a great mystery, and, and that becomes part of the, the challenge, the purification of our prayer. We start with what is accessible to our imagination, but as I said, his love is actually more than what we can imagine. So if we're going to receive that infinite love, 
we have to allow our imagination also to melt away. And sometimes that can be a little bit disconcerting. We, we enter into a place with God in prayer that we're not exactly sure what's happening. Our hearts are open and we're present to Him, but He's doing something beyond what we can imagine, beyond what we can put into words. And in the spiritual tradition, we talk about that as a, as a dark night. We talk about that and in some of those terms that themselves can seem a little overwhelming, and hopefully we take some of the, the scariness out of that and our, our work on prayer. But the point is that if we're going to receive more than what is human, we're going to receive divinity and infinity, it's going to kind of blow out our categories. And mm-hmm. so we, opened into, we come into this posture of just openness, allowing Him to fill us. And, and he fills us with all of himself, that whole Trinitarian mystery, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, a love that is before time and goes beyond time and is outside of every category, all of, all of him. He, uh, he fills us and, and comes into us and draws us into that Trinitarian union of love. Perhaps because of uh, what we are experiencing at this time in the world, uh, there will people will be people who have prayed in the past and stopped. Will come back to it, um, and um, they may come back to it as they did when they were very young, and uh, it wasn't very personal or very intimate. So, tell us a little bit about the process of how we should enter into prayer. That's a great observation. Thanks uh, for for making that connection. Yeah, we. We learned to pray when we were young, and, and sometimes those ways of prayer have a, have a beauty to them. Uh, sometimes we were, we were taught to pray when we were young, you know, some repeated prayers, but often it's the, it's the hearts of little children who have a sense that God is real, because, and which is true, He is real. And sometimes little children are more uh, sensitive to or just uh, un- unconditionally accepting of that reality. They're not putting a lot of categories and limitations. They, they're just told there's, there's a God. He's fatherly. He loves you. He listens to you. Ask for whatever you want. You know? uh, and little children have a, a way just spontaneously to open their hearts and, and just express their love and ask for His help. And so there's something that can be very, uh, very vulnerable and very honest, very humble in, uh, in the prayers of little children. But, of course, as adults, we're, we're working from an adult reality. The Lord still invites us to be childlike in His presence, which is a beautiful thing. But uh, maybe from an adult reality, a good starting place would be to read Scripture. And that helps to give us a picture of who Jesus is, especially the Gospels. I always encourage starting with the Gospels. And then really trying to picture the passage. Maybe you read the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount and imagine that you're one of the people sitting there on the Mount of the Beatitudes and you're hearing the voice of Jesus. But then let it move from Him addressing a whole crowd of people to Him walking up to you personally and saying, how can I help you? What do you want from me? What can I do for you? Share your heart with me. Allow it to become personal. And again, we start with maybe uh, our, our memory, our imagination of the most intimate encounter we've ever had with a human being. And that's a good starting point for, uh, for our encounter with the Lord, is what, what was that encounter with a human being? Hopefully, 
someone has had an encounter with a priest maybe who's like that, or with a counselor who's like that, or, or with a spouse or a friend who has really received and understood them. So just starting with some of these concrete places, imagine Jesus sitting there right with you and begin to speak to him from your heart. And it's a good starting point for prayer. Right. Another way in which you say that is uh, a good way to enter into personal prayer is simply to act as if we are praying. That in this sense, it's like falling asleep. And in addition to arranging our bodies and our external circumstances, you write, we can also start to arrange our minds and hearts as we begin to pray, as you've just uh, recommended. We can use a phrase of scripture or slowly repeat the name of Jesus. It can also be helpful to become aware of our breathing and our thoughts and feelings since our bodies and minds can tend to be highly stimulated. It can be helpful to slow down our bodies and our minds. So we're going to take this final break for our first hour, then we'll come back and continue our discussion talking about personal prayer. <music> 